Welcome to Fat Chicks on Top. This podcast contains frank discussions about the body, sexuality, and occasionally uses swear words, which may not be appropriate for people under the age of 18. This podcast also uses facts, statistics, and mathematics, which may not be appropriate for liberal arts majors. And this podcast relies on science and reality, which may not be appropriate for evangelicals. Welcome to the show. This is your host, Auntie Vice, and it's good to be here with you again. Today, I'm really excited. I've been trying to get her on the show forever. I have Alessandra Madison from Domsub Living. If you follow the show or if you followed me online, you know I was part of her big promo pack to get out as many kink resources for as little money as possible last month. And thank you to all of you who purchased the package and downloaded it. I've seen a bunch of you coming through my site. It's wonderful to have people exploring kink. And so we have Alessandra here today. Thank you for joining us on the show. Yes, I'm so happy to be here. I'm looking forward to it. I discovered you, like so many people probably discover you, looking for kink resources online. And you have an amazing site, domsofliving.com. What was the origin story of that site? <laughs> yeah, my origin story, it's kind of interesting. Um, I was in kink and BDSM for a long time, you know, just kind of like fast forwarding through a lot of the stuff. Yeah. So I'm I'm married. Me and my husband were into kink. We started connecting with the BDSM community, um, really like going all in on it. And at the time, I was really wanting to be a blogger. Um, I have a degree in journalism. And so I was really wanting to blog. So this is kind of like sad to say, but so I started with a beauty blog. And so I was doing makeup tutorials and things like that. But I just wasn't passionate about it. And so I, I talked to my husband, who's my dom, and I was just saying, you know, I really want to have a blog, but I'm just not passionate about this. And he said, why don't you write about BDSM? And I was like, you can't write about BDSM. Like, you can't do that. <laughs> but, you know, after talking to him about it, I was like, yeah, I, I, I think I can. And so it just started out with a few articles. It really took off. And now we have training courses and a lot of fun things. So, so yeah, that's my origin story in a nutshell. Like so many folks, you started by practicing BDSM at home in private before you got connected with the wired community. And that's what the vast majority of people do, right? There's not everybody goes to big events and dungeons and all of that. How did you go about having those initial conversations of, I'm kind of into this, are you kind of into that? Because these are not things we're taught how to do. Yeah, well, I have to say that I'm pretty lucky that me and my husband have a, like a really open conversation, you know, open relationship about, you know, communication. And so, like I said, you know, from the very beginning, we were always kinky. And it was just kind of like, you know, me saying like, what if I called you daddy and things like that. 
how we like kind of made the transition to more like formal BDSM was I was kind of just researching things online and because we were doing all the bondage, the S&M, things like that. And I came across like, like DS, like lifestyle outside the bedroom. And so it just like everything clicked. Like I thought like, like this doesn't just have to be bedroom. Like we can live this way outside the bedroom. And like, I'm a hardcore feminist. And so like the thought of it was also like, well, that's kind of wrong, you know, having him create rules for me and punishments and that that just seems so wrong. But at the same time, it's also like what our relationship really needed. We were, you know, constantly butting heads and things like that, mostly because I was wanting more, you know, to be more controlled and he was wanting to control more. So that's when like we started like formally getting into BDSM. It wasn't just like, oh, this, you know, kinky thing we do in the bedroom. Like we were going to take this seriously. So we, you know, dived all in. And then that's when we started, you know, going to more formal classes and dungeons and things like that and trying to get as educated as possible. So you bring up something really critical is that you're feminist. You have strong beliefs on the equality of women and you call your dominant daddy. There are people who are really into that and people who get really squidgy around that. How'd you land on it? And why is that a comfortable term for you? You know, I'll be totally you know, open and honest that, you know, I didn't have like the greatest father figure growing up. And so, um, and he actually died when I was 13. So like, there's a lot of trauma around that, you know, always wanting that daddy, you know, father figure. And so it just felt natural. And, and like you said, not everyone is in it into it. And I totally respect that. Some people are probably listening to this and cringing right now and saying how gross that is, but we are consenting adults and, you know, we confine it to our relationship and, you know, what we do, but it just, it fits so naturally. And we actually have kids too. And so a lot of times people will ask us like, how do you do BDSM and like DS outside of the bedroom, you know, when you have kids and, you know, they hear me, you know, call him daddy all the time. Like, you know, it's not sexual or anything. It's just like, Hey daddy, can you grab that? Because he's the daddy of the family, you know? And so it, you know, it works for us, but again, like, I know it's not for everyone. Well, and I get it not being sexualized, especially around kids, because growing up, my paternal grandparents, my grandmother called my grandfather daddy, and I never thought anything of it until I started discovering kink. And I thought, there might be another layer, but there might not, right? I I didn't know that part of their relationship. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it could, around a kid, it can seem totally normalized that that's what you call them. So you talked to, you know, both in your writing, and you mentioned it here, you created a contract. And you actually offer classes now on contract writing. Mm -hmm. What goes into a BDSM contract in general? Um, And is it the Fifty Shades of Grey you had to sit there in your business suits and negotiate? Well, it can be if that's what your kink is. You know, for some people that is. But um, yeah, and that's usually the one thing I talk about because that's what people know. You know, a lot of people find me because they they watch Fifty Shades of Grey. They read Fifty Shades of Grey. And the first thing they want to do is create a contract. So I acknowledge that, that like, hey, you may be here because, you know, you watch that. I'm not going to shame you. 
But, you know, for some people, maybe they do want something formal like that. You know, it can make it more sexy. And a contract can be whatever you want, really. But I would say it needs some basic things. So um, I like to say that you list like the roles of each person and what that entails. So if someone is the dominant, well, what does being the dominant mean? You know, is it bedroom only? Is it outside the bedroom? You know, um, if they're submissive, is there, you know, certain areas that, you know, are off limits and things like that. And then obviously the limits, hard and soft, um, things they will and won't do or or maybe do. And then, you know, safe words are, you know, a must too. But really you can get as detailed as you want. You can have like a list of every single like kink or sex act that you want and do kind of like a yes, no, maybe list. You can even have when the contract begins, when it ends. Some people just like kind of have like a note in their phone and they will just add to it as time goes on. Other people like to print it out and have it again, something formal, which is kind of nice. Like I always say it's a good idea to kind of look back at it at least, you know, like maybe every quarter or once a year. And it's it's kind of like you know, looking back at, you know, fond memories, but also just seeing if anything needs to change or, you know, because we're all growing and evolving. And, you know, what we thought we wanted in the beginning isn't always what we want now. So I would say those are kind of, you know, some of the basics. But um, yeah, like, you know, there's no like right or wrong way to do a contract because it's your contract. For you, what are some of the things that have surprised you as they've changed as you've gone through this journey? I think, uh, like, it surprised myself how much of a masochist I am. Like, I didn't, like, you know, realize how much I liked pain. But I think what really blew me away is just, like, understanding, like, the psychology of pain and the psychology of BDSM and just how, like, how much I I needed it, you know, if, you know, one thing it starts out as a kink, but, and then it becomes kind of like a relationship dynamic. But then when you start thinking like how you really need this as a, as a person. And so like, yes, I am a full-time submissive to my dom, but like, even when he's not around, like I still am a sub and, you know, that's something I take to heart and, you know, try to be the best version of myself yeah, that that's just really surprised me and and just how much like it does draw you closer to your partner and because there's so much communication. And I think that's what a lot of like vanilla people don't get is like they think it's just the ropes and the change and the chains and that's all we're doing all the time, but it's like no, it's like lots and lots of talking, <laughs> you know. So talking, you know, a lot, um, you know, in the beginning, we also did a lot of therapy too. And, and that was something I was really surprised of how like many kink friendly therapists there are out there, which I think is such a good thing. How did you go about finding kink friendly therapist? Well, I know like there's um, the NCSF um, directory, mm-hmm. but um, you know, we just, it's hard to find ones that also match your insurance and things like that. So what I did and like what I tell my students is like, just tell them from the very beginning, take the bandaid off, 
you know, it's going to be an awkward conversation, <laughs> um, but just say, you know, hey, like me and my partner, we're kinky, we're into BDSM and that's what we did. We said, you know, we're in a dom-sub relationship. This is what it means. This is what it means for us. This is what we, you know, you know, it's and assure them like it's all consensual. We're safe. This is something I've agreed to. We've seen it helped our relationship. And the funny thing is we had this one therapist in the beginning who later told us, he said, I wish I could tell like all my clients to try BDSM because he's like, it would like solve like 99% of their problems. <laughs> it, well, and I mean, that's not totally wrong because we do talk so much more in a good kink relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, definitely. So as you're discovering this in your own journey, at what point... Did you feel confident enough to go out and start teaching? Well, so we were going to a lot of classes, a lot of events, and then just people started asking us questions. Just like the interesting thing is what people were really interested about how we were able to do this with kids. That seemed like the thing that people wanted to know the most about or just like how we were able to juggle this with, um, you know, my husband working and things like that and having this, this lifestyle. And, you know, I'm a, I used to be like a preschool teacher. So like, I like to teach anyways. And so just, you know, being comfortable with teaching in in that area. And so since my, you know, I'm the sub and I have a dom, you know, he does a lot of the, the technical learning too. And so, you know, during scenes with him, I'm learning a lot too, and he's communicating with me. But yeah, it was just, you know, I started off small and it was just like, you know, again, people asking for advice or asking for tips. And then, and then once I created the blog, you know, then it wasn't so much, you know, just friends or, you know, people in the local kink community. It was just, you know, people from everywhere, you know, so then it started really taking off. And with I'm not going to ask you to give all your class material away or anything because (laughs) people can go and find those and pay for your expertise. But it does come up and it's come up with a number of folks we have on the show is when you have kids, how do you navigate those relationships other than using an honorific that's not going to be recognized as anything other than, you know, just calling them by a nickname? How else do you navigate that around your children? I would say for us, like on the outside, our relationship just looks very like almost traditional. But the the thing that we always communicate to our kids is that we communicated and decided on these roles. And it doesn't, um, my husband is a man. And so we, we tell them that, you know, this doesn't have to be, you know, the man in this role, the the woman in this role, you know, it's, it's what you want and what you feels, feels right, you know? So they just see, you know, I, I mean, this is like this in the vanilla world too. Like you have these rituals that like nobody picks up on, you know, nobody's watching, you know, but just little things like I don't eat until my dom eats. Um, You know, I, I make his breakfast in the morning for him. Um, and a lot of times, so um, again, you know, I'll put kind of like a trigger warning on some of these things too, because I know s- some people come from 
really, you know, abusive childhoods and a lot of abusive marriages where these things are real. So I want to address that too. But, you know, one thing, because the kids have restrictions on their phones. And so, you know, I told my Dom that like, I was having a, a hard time with screen time, like an Instagram and, you know, always wanting to be on it. So I asked him, I said, can you put restrictions on my phone? And so the, the kids know like that I have restrictions, but they know why is because like we had this conversation that I was, you know, wanting to cut back on my, my screen time, you know, and it's like adults, you know, vanilla adults do stuff like that too. You know, vanilla adults have life coaches and things like that. It's just how you have that conversation. I think. Bring up a couple of things I want to go over. One is you're in kind of traditional gender roles in a marriage. And I love 1950s kink. Oh my God, make me iron your work shirts and polish the silver. And I am a happy, happy girl. Uh, but how did you come to square that with your own feminism? Because so much, especially you and I were probably raised during second wave where it's like the women must be in the work world and we must do everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's definitely, I would say it's, it's even still a struggle sometimes. So it's like, I don't want to say like, oh, I've overcome it. It's still a struggle sometimes. And again, just knowing that I, I chose this. So like, you know, and that's like that for everything, like even the, you know, the abortion issues, you know, I had two children and I chose to have those two children and, you know, but I could still be for abortion rights, you know, so it's, it's, it's just, a, you know, such a delicate thing to navigate, but knowing that this is something I chose and it's working for me. And if it ever stops working, then I have the power to end it too. But um, yeah, I'm definitely, I have two boys and my husband, so I'm the only woman. So <laughs> believe me, I get him on my soapbox a lot and talk about issues. And, you know, like, we're all trying to smash the patriarchy in my house and I am, I'm getting my men involved. So yeah, <laughs> but it's definitely an ongoing thing that you have to reconcile with yourself and how you present to the world, because, you know, you have to be cognizant that on the outside, you do look like this stereotypical relationship and to make sure that people in, in, you know, even, you know, when you're going shopping and, you know, doing running errands that, you know, just people know that you're an ally, you know, that you're supportive and things like that. So yeah, it's definitely a balance. I find it to be kind of tricky to navigate to, especially presenting mm -hmm. to the outside, because I know the psychology of everything and all of the negotiations that went into this, yeah. nobody else does. The other thing you mentioned is using the DS dynamic to help with behavior modification. And a lot of people are discovering that. When you're teaching about that, how do you let people know how to, what are flags for abuse and control versus healthy behavior modification in a DS relationship? Well, I'm a big, ad that's like a really good question. And I'm a big advocate for having like a weekly check-in with your partner where both partners can kind of talk freely and things like that. So I think if you're having a check-in and, you know, one of you brings up like, you know, hey, I'm working on this one thing and I could really use some support can we talk about it? And then you bring in the behavior modifications. Then it, it's like it's done in the proper way. And then 
the next week, then you revisit it. You know, are those behavior modifications working? Do you need them to be more strict? Do you need them to be less strict? You know, and that's when you can talk about punishments and rewards. And then, you know, the following week, then talk about it some more. So I think when it's done just like on the fly, you know, this behavior modification, this rule, this punishment, kind of in the heat of the moment, just on a whim, I think that's, and especially like if the submissive is not consenting to that, obviously, but, um, you know, if they're 100% on board, you know, but it doesn't mean that the submissive has to be the one always bringing it up. You know, a lot of times the dom should, you know, be the one saying like, hey, I noticed this habit that you have or, you know, because the dom is supposed to train their son to kind of be that version that they want them to be. But again, it's around this conversation where the dom wants the sub's input and you check in. Do you ever do it where you as the submissive help with behavior modification for a dominant? I do, but it's like in a different slant. So I would say it's more like being the dom's assistant, kind of like a secretary. And so you can kind of make it that sexy vibe to it too. But um, yeah, definitely. My my dom has ADHD, so he struggles with, you know, being attend, you know, remembering things and stuff like that. So definitely, you know, if he tells me like, "Hey, I'm really trying to work on this behavior," like, you know, can you do X, Y, and Z for me? Then you know, yes, that's my dom is telling me a need that he has, and I can definitely help with that. You know, I think the difference is. You know, obviously, I'm not going to say, you know, and if you don't do it, you're going to get a punishment. You know, <laughs> I, I would like to say that sometimes. <laughs> but yeah, so it just has like a different like slant to it. But um, yeah, we're a partnership. And so, um, you know, it, and that's what the, you know, it's a dynamic. And that's why it's so beautiful. Well, and I know that's why me as well as a number of people who've been on the show really like it is because it's an explicit dynamic. Whereas so much of traditional vanilla relationships, this stuff goes unspoken until there's a problem. So with DS, it gets out there. You've brought up punishment a couple of times. For you, what do punishments look like? Because there's this idea that, you know, okay, so I'm a brat and I will do shit to annoy my dominant until I get a spanking. So that's clearly not a punishment. I'm clearly asking for it. It's hard. So, um, so yes, I love pretty though. Like it does have its limit. Like I think I will like it, but then once I'm in the heat of it, I'm like, okay, no, I change. <laughs> Sometimes it'll be something like a spanking, but it will just be like the severity, you know, will be at the top level, you know, cause that's, you know, as a masochist. And I think as a woman, you know, women have higher thresholds of pain, I think, you know, so, um, I think there's that too, but, um, Usually the most like effective punishment for me is usually like taking away a privilege. And so that could be like, you know, taking away my phone or my laptop or, you know, not wearing makeup or um, trying to think. It's like, I know he's going to listen to this later, so I don't want to give him any ideas. (laughs) But, um, (laughs) but, oh, and like, um, something. And that's what I really need is, you know, a punishment like that, you know, to go to bed. Another one that is sometimes like controversial with people I know is 
cutting off communication. And I know that can be come across as like almost abusive to some people, but that was like actually something we worked with a therapist on. And it's almost more like a timeout. And so like, he'll say, you know, I'm not going to talk to you for like an hour. Um, And so that gives, you know, him a break. And but also, you know, it's a punishment for me because I'm wanting to talk to him. Obviously, this is not in a time where I really, really needed him. Again, it's like as a punishment that I'm acting in such a bratty way that it's it's not even fun anymore. It's not, you know, it's like real, you know, um, I'm really acting out. But I, what I tell people, you know, is if this is an effective rela- uh, effective punishment that, that works for you, that's fine, but it has to have boundaries. And so Adam should never just be like, well, I'm not going to talk to you and walk away. It's like, there has to be an end time. So whether that's 10 minutes, a half an hour, an hour, so the submissive knows like, okay, I'm going to get to talk again. But that can be really effective for me because I like to talk. I, and especially, you know, if we're in the heat of a discussion, you know, I like to say my opinion. You know, that's, you know, the feminist starts getting, coming out of me and I like to talk. And then he's just, well, you know, if it, it gets too heated, then yeah, he'll have that punishment. But But I know that like, you know, we'll come back in an hour and, you know, we can communicate then. And I want to underscore putting mm-hmm. a time limit on it, especially if one of your partners is anxious. Because if you live with anxiety and there's no end time, that's true torture for some people. Yeah. Yeah. And definitely if there's an emergency and you need a safe word and, you know, and say, you know, whatever your safe word is, like, I legitimately cannot wait that until the time is over. Like, I legitimately need to talk right now. Yeah. So, um, again, having those boundaries around it um, can be done like in a really safe way if that form of punishment works for you. Who were some of your biggest influences as you started to develop a much more extensive DS dynamic? Well, so like everybody, um, Evie Lupine, she was, I mean, you probably knew I was going to say that before I even said that, (laughs) but but yeah, she she is amazing. The submissive guide, she was really good. Um, those were kind of mirroring the styles that you know we have. I'm from the Bay Area, so you know, Wicked Grounds is you know always big, and just you know, we have the Folsom Street Fair too. So just seeing the different varieties of kink, and because you can like pick and choose what works for you. And that's what I I really, really like. And so that's why I tell people, don't just learn from one person, learn from a variety um, because you can't, you do have the freedom to pick and choose and you may like something someone does in their dynamic and another person's dynamic. You may be like, well, that doesn't really mesh with what I think, but I, I like how they do this. And, and so, yeah, definitely learning from as many people as possible really helps us in the beginning of our journey. So even though the promotion's over, I want to talk about it because you do it every year. How much of (laughs) learning from different people came into creating the kink bundle? And if you want to introduce that to our listeners who may not know about it or just heard my ads for it, explain the kink bundle and what's it about because it'll happen again next year and it's really cool. Yeah. So, and I, um, 
I feel bad because we were supposed to do this podcast before, but I'm sick. It seems like every big launch I do, I get like sick as a dog. So it's just like, you know, I, I always know that's going to happen. But um, so yeah, the kink bundle, how I got the idea for it is I like to follow what like successful vanilla businesses do and how they do it. And I really like bringing some of that professionalism into the kink world. And so really hard. We've done three so far. The first one was really hard because, again, no one had seen anything like this before in the kink community. So I did get some pushback. It was hard getting convincing people, first of all, that I wasn't just trying to like steal their stuff because. So let me back up. So what the kink bundle is, it's a collection of different either ebooks, full-blown courses, trainings, um, some software, just like everything that you see your like your favorite creators selling, like they will put this in the the kink bundle. And it's uh, you know, this year it was two thousand over two thousand dollars worth of stuff, but people can get it for ninety-nine dollars. And so like, and it goes like hotcakes during the week. I mean, you can imagine. So yeah, so in the beginning, it was it was hard to convince people like I wasn't just trying to like steal their stuff or whatever. Like I, I had to keep like reiterating this is like to benefit you because it does. It hugely benefits the creators because not only are they getting like a high commission from the King Bundle is when people are, are, you know, these hundreds of people are signing up for each individual thing, then they're getting on, you know, their email list, getting exposed to them and things like that. So I forget how many creators we had the first year. I think we only had like eight or nine. And then it got bigger the second year. And and this year was the biggest we had. In total, we had 33 creators. And it was it was amazing. So it was so much fun and and just everybody loved it. So yeah, if you were fortunate enough to, if you're listening to this and you were fortunate enough to to grab the King Bundle, yes, definitely keep redeeming those offers. Um, because yeah, those, those creators worked really hard on it. And, and I couldn't do this without the creators. I mean, they, they are amazing and they, you know, they put, uh, they're, they're really, really valuable stuff in there. And so, yeah, I'm definitely privileged to be able to coordinate that every year. Well, and for our listeners who missed it this year or who got it, but may want to get it next year, because it's always different stuff that goes into it. Is there a way for them to sign up for a notification when you launch it next year? Or do you just have to follow your favorite creators? Probably just follow your favorite creators. But if you want to get like on the official, you know, wait list, you can go to domsubliving.com slash sign up, um, sign up one word, but um, yeah, and you'll get, you'll get notified. But um, yeah, it's, it, you know, it's called the kink bundle and it's just got it like kind of like this smorgasbord of kink in it. And it's also different and, you know, different softwares too, like the obedience app put in, I think a whole year Mm -hmm. access. So, um, yeah, it's definitely high end stuff. And so, and hopefully each year it'll get bigger and bigger. Yeah. And you had amazing creators in this one. A lot of people who I've already bought their classes or workbooks, it was like really great to be involved with it. And I love the idea that it gives such different perspectives because there's no one right way to do kink. There's lots of ways to screw it up, but there's also no one true way, right? Um, and mm-hmm. I, I do like that. Yeah, and I really, really wanted to feature also 
minority creators, black creators, and be, and because the kink bundle gives these creators such like a bigger platform, you know, because I mean, you could not go on like Instagram or Twitter and not hear about the King Bundle that week. It was just everywhere. So this really gives, you know, people who maybe wouldn't have gotten such a big enough voice out there to have a bigger voice and, and, and people who, you know, are following people like me and Evie and, you know, other white girls who don't know about these amazing creators that are out there that are Black. And so I really love, you know, having that diversity in the bundle too. And you had two of my very favorites. You had both Sunny Megatron and Luna Batatas, who I shout out all the time and their work and their classes. Mm-hmm. And I, I love those two two women. They're amazing at what they do. So for you, you you write a blog, you teach classes. What's your favorite topic to talk about? Um, I talk about so much, but I think I do like to talk about like DS outside the bedroom because I think that's just so nuanced and it's different for everybody. So, I mean... Because the interesting thing is, like, I don't really get a lot of questions from people about, like, how do I do, like, a single column tie? Or how do I do wax bondage or wax play? Um, You know, I don't get a lot of, like, technical questions like that. I get people asking, like, how do I do BDSM when I have kids? Or, like, how do me and my wife incorporate DS into our marriage? So it's, like, those more like complicated questions and that I really, really like. And so those are the things that like, I just love talking about. And where do you see the gaps in DS education right now? You're out there, you're educating. There's a huge group of us now compared to even 10 years ago who are out and offering classes. Do you see gaps in what's being taught or who's teaching that we need to fill? So I would like to see, this is just me, but I would like to see more men who are doms teaching out there. Someone actually asked me this on Instagram, like, why is it mostly women or, or you know, femme people that seem to be teaching? And I really thought hard for that and um, hard about that. And I think there is, I mean, not that they're not out there. there's just so many reasons for that. I think one, I mean, like, let's, the elephant in the room is that, you know, a lot of these men educators, you know, the skeletons will come out of the closet and will find that they were not doing a lot of good stuff. And so um, that's part of it. Um, Part of it is, you know, some of these men are, you know, they have full-time jobs. Like, I would love my my own dom, my own husband to be more, you know, involved in doms of living, but I, we need our healthcare. So it's like someone has to work outside the home, you know? So, um, I think that's it. I think women sometimes are land more in the teaching roles, you know, that's just, we're always the helper and, you know, things like that. So, so I would like to see more of a balance. I think that would be one thing that is missing, but whether or not that will be fixed. But I mean that, you know, you're you're asking a lot. That's the patriarchy that, you know, <laughs> so I don't know if, if we'll ever see, you know, a more balance anytime soon. Because a lot of times people will say to me, you know, who are a man, like, 
how can I ever learn from you? You're a sub or, you know, you're a woman. And it's, uh, <laughs> I have a lot of things to say about that. But <laughs> Some of the basic skills are the same. Um, and when it comes to yeah. communication, just because of the way AdFab people are raised, we're taught a lot more around communication than people are, who are assigned male at birth. Like, and mm-hmm. yeah, and you're right that so much of it is just, women are naturally directed into teaching as an option for a career because we we struggle with getting enough men to teach in K-12. And then, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then I don't know if you ever come across this, but sometimes I'll get people, you know, who say, if I really cared about the community that I wouldn't sell my courses, I would give them out for free. And I think, again, that comes from like, women are just supposed to be giving and, you know, not supposed to be professional. And, and it's like, I have, you know, dozens and dozens of free articles on my blog. You know, I have tons of free stuff, but yeah, I think it is kind of just women are just supposed to just, you know, hand out things and not ask for anything out of return and just do it out of the goodness of their heart. You know, (laughs) you get that. A lot, especially around teaching at large conferences. I'm sure you've experienced it like myself and mm-hmm. a number of the other teachers is, hey, can you come teach at this conference? But we've got no airfare and no lodging budget. So you'll pay for that. And we may give you $500 for the weekend when you've sunk two grand into coming out here. Um, yeah. Right. And, you know, people don't want to pay what it costs to put on some of these better conferences. But part of it is if you want, professionalism if you want people who've spent hundreds of hours creating the content that you're going to get there is a value to it and i think we should pay people like yeah definitely and that's like with the king bundle like mm-hmm. i wanted a really high commission like and i've had a few contributors like say like i've never gotten this high of a percentage of commission on something and so you know that just warms my heart because you know, I want these contrib- uh, these people who are contributing to the bundle, I want them to feel supported and valued because they are and yeah. they deserve it. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, I do think so much of what so many of us who blog and write and stuff, how much of that is free content. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think people understand what goes into that. You're a journalist by training. You have professional training in writing, in doing the research. And it's not like you're just sitting down and spouting off like some incel in a basement. Yeah. Right? There's value to knowledge. So you should pay for it. Yeah. So let's talk about the the blog and the site a, a little bit. Um, so there is so much on your site. So you do have the blog, you have trainings, you have lots of stuff. So you want to kind of go over some of the things you offer? Yeah. So we have the blog. It's free at domsubliving.com. Um, there's, you know, tons of articles. There's articles for dom subs, which is beginners, advanced, you know, you know, just kink if you want that too. Um, different quizzes and videos. So that's all free. Then we do have um, step-by-step online courses. We even have courses that are as low as $9 too. So like we try to really, you know, be aware that everybody is, you know, at different income levels. So we want to support that too. And then we um, 
We do have like a mastermind program that's, um, you know, includes all of our courses and you get, you know, community access as well. We have, you know, a, um, a really neat um, community of students and clients. And then we also give in that mastermind, like monthly um, coaching calls and things like that. And then we do the kink bundle every year. And then in the beginning of this year, I tried something new. I ran a summit and that was really successful too. So again, working with, you know, other creators in the community and it was like a five-day event putting, you know, together, you know, they were putting together talks every day and we had a community aspect as well. Um, so that was a lot of fun too. So that was our first time running that. It was the Dom Sub Dynamics Summit and it was a like a virtual summit and that went really well. So I think we're we're gonna keep having that every year too. And definitely, definitely having the kink bundle every year. It's it's so much fun. You've been doing this for a while. What have you noticed in changes in the kink community since the time you got active in it to now? So definitely like it goes through waves. And there was a huge wave, obviously, with Fifty Shades of Grey. Then there you know, so I think Fifty Shades of Grey brought out, you know, a lot of like middle-aged vanilla people who are, you know, maybe in a long-term relationship wanting to explore kink. And then I think the COVID pandemic, I think there was a wave with that. And I think I think that brought a lot of non-monogamy into the mix. I think, you know, people are in lockdown they're with their one partner and they want to start exploring non-monogamy. So then, <clears throat> then it started becoming like, well, how do I do DS and be polyamorous? And how do I incorporate that? So I think there was that wave. And I think now too, with, um, you know, gender issues and transgenderism, I think we're seeing a wave with that too, of people just being more open um, about not fitting into, you know, a stereotypic, stereotypical role, even in the kink community. I think just having a more open mind and having more open discussions and, and, you know, every decade we have like a new generation, you know, that's becoming adults and they start becoming interested in kink and they kind of bring this new blood into it too. So that's, that's always fun too, seeing, seeing all the insights that, that they bring. What are you looking forward to in the next couple of months? I don't know if I had said this, but um, so we are new. We were in the Bay Area and we were in the Bay Area. We moved like almost exactly a year ago. So we are now in Southern California. And so since it's been almost a year, so like we wanted to really spend that year um, getting us situation getting the kids situated with schools and friends and the house needed a lot of remodeling so now that we're kind of at this year mark and i was going to say the pandemic's really over but now it seems like it's coming back <laughs> but um we are really wanting to explore more the the kink scene down here in in socal and so my husband my dom he already has a little bit he's he's way more social than me so he's you know already going to you know the munches and the clubs and all that and has been meeting people in the community um but so i really you know since we're at that year mark i'm like okay so now i feel like my family's situated my kids are situated now i can take more of the time 
So, you know, I'm back on FetLife and, you know, looking at all the events, got some events I'm going to be going to. So, yeah, I'm excited about that. Welcome back and enjoy the Southern California community. It's a ton of fun. Um, yeah, yeah. And especially because we have like the LA groups and the San Diego. And so it's just, oh, it's so much fun. That's awesome. If our listeners want to find your site, if they want to connect with you, if they want to take your classes, get your resources, plug all the things. Yes. Yeah, so it's Dumps of Living, all one word. And so you can find me at domsubliving.com. I'm that you, um, that name on all the socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, everything. But yeah, so if you go to the main website, you can see all of the courses there. We have a lot of free content. Um, and so, yeah, you can go to domsubliving.com slash free, get our free resource library um, and access all of the things there. But um, yeah, um, check us out and say hi. And listeners will have all of those links for you. They are a wonderful resource. I use them all the time. Strongly recommend them. So check them out. We'll have those links on the show notes as well as everything else. Thank you so much for being here. This has been great to finally chat with you face to face. Yes, yes, I know. I, I had such a blast. It was a lot of fun. And don't forget to like, subscribe, you know, do all those things. Thank you very much. And we will talk to you next week. And now a moment of gratitude. I'm grateful that I am just still like here, like here in all the ways, like here in life, here in business. Like I've had health problems. I've had problems with the business. I've had, you know, dealing with meta and Instagram and all those things. It's like, you never know what it's going to be like when you wake up, you know, or is, you know, your payment processor going to, you know, take your ability to make, you know, get paid away. So it's just, you know, I, I look back about like how many people haven't like made it in the kink space, which is unfortunate, you know, but in small businesses in general, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't last. So, um, just grateful that I'm still here, you know, with the business, but grateful that I'm still here in life. I've had health issues. Um, I've been, um, cancer free. I had cancer. So I've have been cancer free for about 13 years. And so, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm happy to be here and seeing what the future is going to hold. Hi, this is your Auntie Vice here. We are coming up on the largest kink event of the year, which is Folsom Street Fair here in San Francisco, California. This year, I'm teaching three classes leading up to Folsom. On Wednesday, the 23rd, I will be teaching Setting the Scene with Wicked Grounds. And on Thursday and Friday, I will be teaching with the uh, Folsom Cultural Center. And I will be teaching Dangerous Curves Ahead from Fat Fetishism to Fat Phobia in the Kink Community and on Aging While Kinky. So check me out. I'll have the links to the classes. Some of them are hybrid and online. If you're in San Francisco, come check me out and hit me up. Thanks very much.
you for listening to this episode of Fat Chicks on Top. Please like, subscribe, and review our podcast on whatever platform you listen to it on. If we like your review, we may even read it online. This has been an Auntie Vice production. Producer and host, Rebecca Blanton. Audio production by Sharon Smith. Music by David Manga. And more music by Sharon Smith. For more information about Fat Chicks on Top, please visit our website for all things Fat Chicks at fatchicksontop.com.